This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How goes it? It's going very well. Fantastic weekend here. How was your weekend? It was good. It involved children, mountain biking, and pizza at the beach. That sounds like a perfect weekend. It really was. I was, I was sanding the chairs. Oh. I'm sorry about that. But they're all ready to be varnished. Hooray! It was so good. It was. Uh, it looked like an amazing project when I saw it when I was down there, so I look forward to seeing the end result. So do I. I have a deadline. It ha- absolutely has to be done before Christmas. Well, that's not far away. Because otherwise people are sitting on the floor. <laughs> Just chop the legs off the table. <laughs> At the moment, it's a Japanese table. Because <laughs> the legs are downstairs, but I didn't take the top downstairs, so it's still there, just very low. <laughs> so who are we introducing today? Today, it is my absolute privilege to introduce Belinda Cullen-Reed. Uh, Belinda and I went to Darfield High School together. We started at the same time and um, formed an immediate friendship. We've been friends for I don't even know how many years, but it has been 34 years since we have seen each other in the real world, but we've managed to keep a connection (laughs) via various forms of social media, and I'm so thankful for that. But it is um, Belinda is an artist, an educator, and a beautiful human being, so it's really lovely to have you here, Belinda. Thank you for sharing with us today. Kia ora, thank you for inviting me. Very pleased to be here. Welcome, Belinda. Where are you? I'm in the balmy Darfield area next to the Southern Alps. Um, so we live on the Canterbury Plains and I live here with my husband and my son and some animals and we have about an acre and a quarter. So, and a little stream running through and tallest range in the distance it's fantastic so how was your bubble life it's a long time ago now the first bubble life yeah so bubble life that was interesting because it ended up i'd I'd actually um elijah and i that's my son we'd been living in the city for a year in a flat um because we both worked and schooled in Christchurch. So we thought, oh, yeah, we'll do city life for a bit. Elijah wanted to try rowing, give that a go. So we'd had this year in the city, and we'd just moved back to our property in Darfield, and um, we're put into lockdown. And um, that was an interesting experience, going from the city and busy life and lots of people to suddenly um, finding ourselves, just him and I actually, because Heath was working, he kept working through the whole thing and he was flashing, um, just in this property all to ourselves and I don't think we saw a human just about the whole time we were in lockdown apart from each other. That sounds nice. Crazy. I was wondering how I was going to go with that because I do like seeing people um, and I also find that I I seem to think that I need to go out a lot and see people a lot and interact and and, um, learn new things and I thought how on earth am I going to be able to stay at home 
pretty much by myself with my teenage son without going completely insane. And um, I thought I might turn into a screaming heap or get very depressed from lack of stimulation. Um, but I actually ended up really loving it, really loving my lockdown. It's my guilty secret that I really enjoyed lockdown. Is it all right to say that? Is that, is that something we're allowed to say in public now? <laughs> I think if I, th- I think if we wrap it up with a bit of a recognition that some people didn't find it easy, right? Then yes. it, then that moment or that that time where we got to stop and and think and stop rushing around was probably good for us. Yes, and I have got friends. I've got a friend who's a um, solo mum. She's got two kitties, and she's living with her sister, who's also a solo mum with two kitties. So that's four kitties and two solo mums together. And I think by the end of it, she was just really losing her marbles and just couldn't wait for it to be over. Um, but, yeah, mine was quite the opposite experience, where I just um, had time to um, really consider a lot of things about who I was, my place in the world, um, and what was important to me. And, um, yeah, it was actually quite quite a life-changing time. What did you decide? Can you tell us? Well, um, so for years I've taught, but I've also done a lot of other things. I've run adults' choirs, I've performed, um, I've you know, been busy mum, I've helped run my son's sports teams. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've rushed around a lot in life and um, often had a lot of symptoms of stress like anxiety, headaches, um, funny tummies, all sorts of things. And um, during lockdown, all of that went away. So all of my stress symptoms that I'd had for years um, disappeared. And I spent a lot of time, what would look to other people like I was doing nothing. And because I was told that I had to be there, doing this nothing, um, I didn't feel guilty about it and I didn't have that fear of missing out on something or fear of, of not being enough or doing enough and I s- spent a lot of time sitting by our water race, we had some beautiful piwaka waka um, in the native trees by our house and I spent a lot of time um, just really being still and being quiet and not feeling bad about that. And, yeah, my mental health improved significantly during that time as a result of it. It was incredible. Maybe the pandemic is the symptom, not the the cause. Maybe it's an opportunity for us to, to have a bit of a look at ourselves and think maybe this rushing around is not what we need. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And it's interesting because trying to reintegrate back into society and back into the world um, and finding that tug from the world if you like to to go back to how things were it's a real battle to not um, revert I suppose to type and not revert back to the way things were and to try and, and keep some of that inner peace and inner calm and and self-acceptance and it's actually okay just to be you don't have to be something and yeah it's it's a battle to, to to try to keep that peace let's take the first of your music choices let's have kate bush wuthering heights why this one i found this song when I was 16 years old, so just after um, I'd left Aberdeen High and went into the city to um, Burnside High and completely fell in love with Kate Bush because of, of creativity, because she was the most creative, imaginative storyteller of music that I'd, I'd ever met, and I had no idea that was even possible. Roll and fall in green 
In addition to stopping, were you trying to work during the lockdown? Yeah, so during the lockdown, um, I kept working as a teacher, um, and my job was to teach art during the lockdown to the Tamariki from the school that I'm at, Merrin School. And so I created some art videos called Art in a Bubble. And I had a YouTube channel and um, I would do my videos at home with all my animals. And um, we had to be very inventive about the art materials at first because I realized that a lot of the tamariki that would be looking at the videos might not be able to just um, have the paints and things like that at home. So the first video that we did was how to make pa watercolour paints out of everyday items that you might find in your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we did all sorts of weird and wonderful things. We mashed up some blueberries and um, used some coffee and different spices and things like that and created some watercolour paints. Um, so that was my job. It was terrible. I hated every moment of it. No, I, I loved it. It was fantastic. And um, as a part of that, um, then I got to teach some specialist art classes when we when we came out of lockdown. And um, it's been an ongoing passion of me to, to teach art. So that's been something very new for me. Did you manage to sort of convey the, the creativity via the tubes? I hope so. I hope that... Um, that that the creativity came across and um, young people would watch the videos and then try things at home and then they'd post their their um, what they'd done as well. So that was that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that. And also, I've been um, studying towards my masters of writing at Canterbury University, so I was able to keep going with that this year remotely as well, which is was great. I thought you said you were having a relax. That is relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> because what it is is that um, being too busy means that you can't do the things that you love often. You're so busy doing um, the things that need to happen and the things that you think are the most important things that need to happen um, and the things that everybody else thinks you should do. And um, I got to read a lot and I got to write, and I'm about a third of the way through um, a crime fiction piece that I'm hoping will eventually become a novel um, based in Aotearoa. So that's my big goal that's come out of lockdown is to be a New Zealand crime fiction writer. Um, and Let's see how I go with that. But that's, yeah, that's that's been something I've wanted to do my whole life since I was about 10 years old, and now I'm finally, finally actually doing it, and it's very exciting. And you've just opened an exhibition. Yes, yep, so there's that as well. So that um, is some works that I did based on the Canterbury Plains, where I live. I've um, always... Apart from some stints living in the city, I've always been a country girl. And so I did some paintings um, based on the rural landscape of, of the Canterbury Plains, the big skies and the open fields. Um, and, yeah, and then what I like to do, because I grew up on a farm, is I like to find some random old object human-made object and I stick that in the middle of my paddocks and I have this juxtaposition of this random old shed or silo or something like that and then I put that alongside this big expansive open open um, wilderness of the Canterbury Plains. And did you do that in lockdown as well? Um, I think I did them at the start of the year, and they were actually supposed to be exhibited during lockdown, but my lockdown um, happened, or our lockdown happened, and then um, the exhibition actually got postponed, and so it's just happening now. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. 
Kia ora koutou, nā mihi arohanui kia koutou, koutou I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, your beloved universe. And I really hope that wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving very, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect. Kia mihi, thank you. So, as we all know, the great pleasure and privilege of emceeing the lighting of the Christmas tree, which was really, really wonderful, and I had a really great time, you know, always dressing up a Christmas tree, making this big costume out of tinsel, and putting lots of lights on and prancing about, and it was wonderful. And I was very grateful because I woke up very early in the morning on Saturday and did lots of costuming things and then I went back to sleep and the taxi driver who I had organised to pick me up actually woke me up and he helped me get ready, which was very, very kind. And then I went and had the most amazing time at the lighting of the Christmas tree because it was really phenomenal. There were so many hundreds and hundreds of people there and it was the first time that the tree was being lit, so it was very special. We could all make wishes on the tree, and we sang happy birthday to the tree, and we named the tree Marilyn after the lady who started the lighting of the Christmas tree tradition, Marilyn Anderson, who's retiring and going off to look after her cat and her husband in a caravan. They're going to tour around in a caravan together, which is very exciting. But yes, we all sang happy birthday to the tree, Marilyn, and... There was all sorts of storytelling, performers, amazing Rainbow Rosalind the Fairy, amazing singer and performer. She played her violin and it was stunning. And all the children really, really love her. And I had lots of children holding my hands and walking around with me, which was very nice. Anyway, in the midst of all this, it started raining. And, you know, I had thought, well, maybe some people will leave. But nobody left. Everybody stayed in the rain, singing, dancing in the rain, having a wonderful time together, despite the rain, which was just phenomenal. Really, really impressive. Really great to see. And again, I just really felt that sense of appreciation and gratitude and awe for Stun Eden, Aughty Porty Stun Eden. What an absolute paradise. And not only, you know, to be able to emcee the lighting of the Christmas tree with hundreds and hundreds of people there, but also feel the devotion of all these beautiful people for our home, for our beautiful city, for this tree, to be together in the rain and not leave. So that's the real, the real testament, the real love. Very, very impressive. And unfortunately, with all this excitement, everything that's happening, I've got some form of tummy bug, so I'm recording this for you from my my sick bed, toing and froing to various facilities. But I'm really, really grateful that I can still have these five minutes with you. And I really hope that for you, you are feeling a sense of the devotion and the love that surrounds you. I really hope that you have been having experiences where you're moved and blown away by the people around you. And as I said to the hundreds and hundreds of people in the rain, we can do anything, we really can. We can always choose to, to stay and support one another in the midst of a rainstorm. And of course, now that this magic Christmas tree has been lit up, it's a whole new phase for all of us. I made wishes for everybody, including all of wonderful you. So I really hope that for you, you're enjoying this exciting time, this new phase, and that you're having a lovely day. And I will continue to recover it's raining now. It's very peaceful and beautiful. And I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Belinda Cullen Reed in Darfield. So we've talked about the bubbles. What happens next? What happened next? What happened after I got out of my bubble? Yeah. Well, yeah, that was interesting going back to school. Um, and. It was like having to wake up from a really long sleep. Um, I don't know how other people felt coming out of their bubbles, but it was kind of a little bit of a shock to the system having to reintegrate into thinking about how you appeared in public and how you spoke. And um, yeah, so that was that was interesting, but. It, I was a little reluctant to get out of my bubble, but in retrospect, I think it was a really good thing because 
we can't stay forever at the top of the mountain and, and enjoy the view. Sometimes we have to come down to and actually put in the hard mahi and do the groundwork as well. So as tempting as it is to stay in that kind of nirvana, um, I think, yeah, I think coming back to reality is important also. But it's just, yeah, how to integrate. Back to reality. Is it yeah. back to business as usual? As I was saying before, it really feels like there is a tug between the expectation of what um, what the world wants and what I want. And I noticed it even today. I was trying to have a very um, zen Sunday and I was um, creating some art on an old table um, that had coffee stains and, and bits of paint. And I thought, oh, I'm going to do something with that table. And so um, I was creating quite um, an interesting piece. I'm not sure if you want to know what it's about. <laughs> Is that a yes? Yeah, no? that's a yes. So, um, so what it was, was I was creating what's called vulva art and um, you create beautiful female genital forms onto artworks and, they, and they're beautiful bright colours and it's almost like in a Mexican um, folk art style. And so I created that in my um, lovely coffee table that's now sitting in my lounge. So I was having this very nice relaxing day but I had a, a school teacher friend drop round and um, to come and pick up her daughter and I offered her a cup of coffee in my lovely relaxed kind of way and she was immediately oh no I've got a whole list of things I have to do I have to get back I can't possibly stop and I sort of had this moment where I thought oh well here's me with my vulva art and my cup of coffee and my very relaxed imaginative creative afternoon and here's this other school teacher who's very much on the go and I sort of had this moment of thinking gee I better look busy I'd better look <laughs> busy to her <laughs> because she'll just think uh, what is this woman doing <laughs> so I started saying I could hear myself doing I started saying oh yes Sunday afternoon it's always terrible there's just so much to do <laughs> And then I got up and I baked a cake. So, <laughs> as you do when you feel like you're not quite doing enough in life, you add a cake to the mix. Belinda, you've, you've been teaching in various ways for such a long time, including, gosh, when we were at high school and um, the way that you always encouraged the best out of everybody when it came to our music. And my doctorate work has indicated to me that We've got a problem looming um, in terms of kids and their imagination um, not being cultivated when they're really little and then they get to school age and, and they, they, they don't have that ability to think forward and to plan. And that, that seems to me what's happening. Is that something that you're seeing? Yeah, so it's quite interesting. Um... What I have found in my teaching is that um, a lot of young people don't know how to do things like use basic materials and um, and create um, something like that. And there's a lot of just wanting to go and look at a screen. So mm. the kids will be really focused on trying to finish something really quickly um, a task really quickly so that they can then go on on the screen to do um, whatever maths game or something like that that they see as the ultimate reward. Um, so that's definitely something I've noticed change over the last 10 years in education because um, when I first started um, there definitely wasn't a pull from kids to hurry through a, through a task really quickly so that they could then go on and, and do the thing they really wanted to do, which was um, something on the screen, something video game type reward. Um, at the school I'm at, it's really good. We have a lot of um, what we call ARCOR plans, which is individualised learning around student needs, um, student interests. 
and so we try to get alongside the kids and really find out what the, what it is that that really interests them in life and um, that they want to know more about and then we create individualized projects around that so I'm saying that through that style of education that we are getting some more creativity um, than what we were before, some more um, student engagement with materials and with creative thought, with problem solving and things like that, but it's certainly something we need to keep pushing further and further. For those kids who struggle with the creative side, because it's funny that you can talk about screens, so just recently my thoughts have gone to this idea that when our kids are immersed in the screen world, they're actually living in someone else's imagination, no longer in their own, because the entire thing is constructed. So while, yes, there, there is some imagination um, in, involved in the process of, of navigating your way through a game and everything, at the end of the day, everything about that is based on someone else's thoughts and someone else's vision. Like when we were kids and we read, we created the images in our mind of those characters and what they looked like and how they spoke and all of that kind of thing and then it was a weird thing for us because we'd find a, a, you know, a movie later on of that book and we are like, oh no, that's not what that person looks like. I was going to say it's like book versus film, isn't it? Yeah, you've it got is. the images fed to you or you've created the images yourself. And our kids these days, they're missing that. They, they're not getting that... Um, that little developmental stage that we went through with kids, especially as you know, being read out loud to when when we were kids, and and our ability to think forward, and and I wonder what will happen as a result of this. Like everything has changed. So you, when you get these kids who are a bit older and they've not had that opportunity to develop their imagination, what can what do you do as an as an educator to be able to support them? So for me, um, it's about input. So um, there's different ways that I um, make learning happen, and that is like one would be through tactile things. So I love having lots of um, things in the class room that um, students can interact with, physically touch, physically make things with. I think that's really important whether it's Play-Doh um, or art materials, craft materials, wooden nails, what have you. It's got to be hands-on. You've got to be able to feel it's got to be tactile. Um, and then examples of other people's um, creativity. So you're putting that input in. Um, one of my big passions is um, writing, obviously. So having some really good um, picture books, lots of language, lots of amazing rhyme and rhythm and um, and things like that, but also artwork. So putting in a lot and then I think the more you put in, um, the more you get back out at the other end. It doesn't just happen in isolation. It's got to be um, something that is encouraged and fed. Yeah, with my art, for example, when I'm teaching art, I like to demonstrate um, by showing showing kids what famous artists have, have done. You know, I'll bring in the classics and talk about the Impressionist art movement or um, Cubism or what have you, and then we'll take it down to a basic level and we'll try it out ourselves and then grow it from there. That's really cool. So kids who miss out on developing their imaginations as really little people, in that, in, you know, that like sort of three, four, five age bracket, can we, can it be retrofitted to their thinking? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm always a great believer in hope in that there's always, um, you know, neuroplasticity of the brain. There's always ways that we can build connections and grow our brains, grow our imaginations. Um, that's my job as an educator and that's, that's my passion is, is creativity and yeah just give me the child or the adult <laughs> or anybody and um, you know I'll, I'll fill them up with wonderful experiences and, and knowledge and that and then let them loose on the materials themselves. What do we need to do to make the 
transition or the translation between that creativity in an art sense and uh, imagining a positive future sense? Um, I just, I think that art needs to be a part of everyday life. Um, I think it needs to be integrated into into our everyday, I mean, the, for example, I saw on the news the other day, um, it was a piece on the Booker Prize, how with lockdown, book sales have gone through the roof, for example. Art, um, art, whether it's literature, performing arts, visual arts, arts is what is the way that we understand the world and it reflects the world and enhances the world. It's an integral part of, of who we are. And one of the things I love about Christchurch um, post-earthquake is just how much more art there is around the place now. There's art installations, there's murals, there's interesting bits and pieces all over Central City now, and it's just such an interesting place, and it just makes you feel so much better to be there um, when you're surrounded by... Uh, these visual and and uh, these visual experiences that yeah just really enhance your everyday life and I just think we need to keep integrating art into who we are and what we do. Um, I think that, that we we all benefit from that. One of the things that came from the Christchurch earthquakes was a focus, particularly in Christchurch. Christchurch but wider but on the the well-being and the, the the awareness that we do need to pay attention to how people are doing how, how you're doing yourself do you think that that better positioned the country and Christchurch in particular for dealing with this disruption I would like to think so I feel that um there is a big shift in how things were from when I was a young person to now as far as being able to talk about mental health, being able to talk about wellness. We use these words every day in the classroom. We we teach children about mindfulness and we teach them pause, um, prompt praise and we, we have all these things now that that it's okay to talk about these things and it's yeah, it's becoming part of our everyday language to be able to find out are you okay? Is life going well for you? What do you need? What do you do if you don't feel good? Um, yeah, definitely a lot more conversations around it. Whether Christchurch people coped better on the lockdown, I have no idea. I don't know. I'm not privy to that, but. Um, I think there's a toughness in Christchurch because we have been through um, so much that, yes, it has become just another thing for us and we do have our toolbox ready. We've seen lots of societal changes over the last few months. What do you think will stick and what do you hope will stick? That's interesting. Um, I... I probably would have had quite a um, quite a positive view around that, and then you do something like you watch the American election and you see how many people voted for someone like Donald Trump, and you think, bloody hell, <laughs> has nobody learned anything? What what's going on? Um, so, I think maybe New Zealand we do have our own little bubble here. We certainly managed to, to collaborate in a way that was completely inspiring. I thought we were, um, the team of Five Million was an amazing concept, but it wasn't just a concept. It was something that was actually that actually became a reality. I found that very hopeful, and I would love for us to be able to harness that spirit and keep it going in other areas around well-being um i think we're we're on a roll why not keep going with that what lessons do you think we can take from how we have responded that maybe it's that spirit for the the bigger sorts of questions we face things like climate change or social inequity 
Well, I think it's about collaboration at the end of the day, and I think it's about um, about us not being so individualistic and not being so self-driven, but to see the bigger picture. And we were able to see the bigger picture around lockdown. Why can't we see the bigger picture on other things as well? And I know it's hard because there's other things like economic um, concerns and things like that. But if we can somehow meet in the middle and, and move forward together, I think we're going to have a far bigger impact than um, individuals trying to do it alone or political parties trying to do it on their own. It needs to be collective. Stop. That is Pixies, Where Is My Mind? Good pick. It's about swimming. You might not have thought it was about swimming, but it talks about swimming. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I can pick them. I have some questions to end the show with, and not very much time, so we should have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Personally, it would have to be self-acceptance. 
figuring out who I am, what are my limitations, what are my possibilities, and learning to be okay with that. And I think that's what we all need to do is learning just to be okay with the lot that we've been given, knowing what you can be hopeful for and knowing what you need to accept. So we are writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in our team. What is the superpower that has got you into our mansion? I have to come up with my own superpower? Yep. (laughs) I would say um, vibrant enthusiasm. You've got to have passion, people. You've got to have passion. So do you consider yourself to be an activist? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I've been um, an advocate of um, the underdog for as long as I can remember. I'm pretty sure Mara will remember that. Um, Women's rights, but also indigenous rights, um, working class rights, definitely. Um, I'm always looking out for people to be able to get a fair chance. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What gets me out of bed in the morning? Gosh, um, coffee. I'm very passionate about coffee, so that definitely gets me out of bed in the morning. But what gets me in the car and down the road, apart from the fact that I have to pay my bills like everybody else, is the belief that... I can make a difference even if it's just in a very small way and the biggest way that I can make a difference I believe at school is just to be warm, to be kind, to be welcoming and to make the tamariki that I come into contact with feel good about being at school and being in the education system because I think that's sometimes that's our biggest hurdle is just actually getting kids in the gate, feeling good about being there and wanting to learn. So what is the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or so? Um, I'm hoping to be working in some low decile areas of education um, and I'm hoping to learn how to best do that and how to uh, how I can best make an impact in that area and my writing I'm really excited about my writing and I'm really hoping to continue with my masters in writing and um, finish that book I really want to finish that book and lastly do you have any advice for our listeners Know yourself and don't be afraid to be yourself and be a little bit unapologetic about that. Mawira. You know, I was was listening to you before when you were talking about um, being a champion for the underdog and uh, being an, um, an advocate and an activist and brought me back to being a very quirky kid at school, which I always was, always been a bit quirky, and just knowing that there was always that one person who loved me and didn't love my quirkiness no matter what, and that was you, and um, and also that you taught me how to sing and how to love singing, even though I didn't have an incredible singing voice like yours, um, but it didn't matter to you ever that we would just sing, and you loved that, and I loved that. And I and I bet there have been so many people throughout these all these thirty something years who would be able to tell that same story. So thank you for giving people that love of sharing their voice. Oh. You're amazing. Thank you, and it's very humbling to know that. Let's go out to John Lennon. Imagine. Thank you very much for joining us.
Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and in Darfield, Belinda Cullen-Reed. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.